Yesterday morning I was up really early and uh, I had to take a, a trip about 45 minutes away and so I spent the time uh, driving to and from uh, my destination point thinking about today and, and what I wanted to share and as I was thinking about it I was uh, I just kind of played around with this a little bit and I, I wanted to take my life and, and what I know, what I've learned, and what I've experienced in my life, and put it into the prism of what I wanted to teach today. And, and I think that's not a bad exercise, because if, if this uh, doesn't work in, in real life, then what good is it to, to share with you? And um, so I, you know, I kind of field-tested what I want to teach today uh, through the experiences of my life. And I thought I'd take a moment and just share some of what I thought about yesterday and kind of lead into this. Uh, and I want to go all the way back to my high school days, uh, more like my junior and senior year in high school, and the dreaded question that was constantly being asked of me, uh, which uh, you, you can relate to this, what do you want to do? What they should have said, what are you going to do when you grow up? Uh, but what do you plan to do when you get out of school? And I hated that question because I had no clue. I, my, you know, my goal was to get out of school. And that's, that's the only goal I had in my life. I didn't know what I wanted to be. There are a couple things that I had done I knew I never wanted to do again. I, you know, I, I kind of thought, whatever I do, I'm going to do it inside, not outside. I, you know, those were, that's like my goals. That was it. And so I got out of high school and, um, this, you know, I went to college and I didn't have any plan. I, I went to a, a Bible college in Florida for a reason I still don't understand. My, my, you know, my dad went there and, and, and so, okay, I'll go there. No plan. Um, I, I knew this. I, I, my dad was a pastor. My granddad was a pastor. I decided I don't want to be one of those. I, I, you know, it just wasn't something I was going to be. And so, um, I went there, and my plan was to not be a pastor. That was, that was my goal. And uh, I was there, I don't know, maybe a year, and a friend of mine said, hey, why don't you consider being the chaplain uh, in the Army? And you have to understand, this was during the Vietnam War, and all I had known from the time I was a little kid until I'm in college was the Vietnam War, it was consistent. It was always there. It's actually one of the longest wars ever, in, you know, in our history. And it just never ended. And so I thought, you know, I think I would like that. I could see the world. I could, you know, maybe go to Vietnam, look around, uh, that kind of stuff. And um, by my sophomore year, uh, the war ended. And, okay, so now what do I do? Uh, I, I thought, well you know, maybe I'll just pursue the chaplain thing in the military. And, and then they changed the rules because they didn't need as many chaplains. And so now you had to have a master's degree. And that totally was not going to happen in my life. And so, so I, um, you know, I just went through uh, college, five of the longest years of my life. I changed my major six times. There's no joke. I didn't, you know, sometimes I'll tell you lies and, you know, but this is not a lie. This is not true. I thought I'd say that before one of my kids bring it up at lunch, you know. Um, but but I, I, I had no plan. I had nothing. The only thing, the only two things really I had going was I knew I needed to work. I needed to be a responsible person. I had to get a job and support at least myself. Um, 
Uh, and, and then the other thing was that I wanted God to be first in my life. Now, I, I won't tell you that I've always wanted that or I always lived that way, but the, the bottom line for me was I wanted God to be first. I wanted to honor God. I wanted to, to follow him, whatever he wanted. But that, as far as plans go, I was a mess. I had no plan. I, I you know, I, I thought of some things and they, they just hit a wall and, and, or stuff like that. And so I was, that, that was tough. So as I was thinking about this yesterday, you know, now in hindsight, I get to look back and I, I want to share something with you that I realized yesterday and I was like, oh my heavens, the, the things that have meant the most to me in my life, the things that I've been involved in that I feel like I was used the greatest or lived most significantly were things that I'd never planned on. I'll give you some examples. I, I, you know, like many people, I, I grew up thinking, well, I'm going to get married and have kids, and, and, and that would be, you know, really cool. Um, I did that, and when, when Pam said I do, and when we started having babies, the, 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 the enormity of what just happened was mind-blowing to me. I, I mean, I, I took being a responsible person and loving people to a whole new level that I didn't even know I had. It was just like I had not planned on this. I, yeah, I planned to get married and have kids, but I did not plan on what happened to me. I did not think that, wow, I could lead and, and nurture and help and build. And, and, and there was a time in our life when my kids thought I was cool, and that was so wonderful. It just, it was so, it was short-lived, but it was wonderful. And I, you know, I, 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 it was, and I didn't plan that. It just, it was there. Um, the Washington Redskins, I was chaplain of Redskins for six years, and um, I truly did not plan that. People ask me, how did that happen? And it literally was dumped in my lap. I didn't apply. I didn't ask. I didn't do anything. I just... Woke up one day, Joe, uh, Joe Gibbs called me and said, can you be our chaplain? And I said, sure. And then I was like, how much does it pay? And he was like, nothing. Okay, I'm in. Right? I just, that's what happened. Literally, that's what happened. I mean, there, there were some things that happened, a chain of events, but I did nothing to get there. It was, like, amazing. I did not plan that. Um, this church, I have been so honored to be the pastor of this church and helped start this church for uh, now going on 18 years. And, and I did not plan this. In fact, I planned against this, okay? I, I did not plan to be a pastor. I did not plan to do this. It wasn't in my plans. And, and yet here we are, and, and I can look at this, and, and I'm just so thankful that God would allow me to be part of this and be part of your lives and be part of many other people's lives and watch people who are now going to heaven and have gone to heaven. I have a, a little, a, a kind of a touching collection of C cards where people have accepted Christ in, in this church and have died since then and, and are, are now in heaven today because of the ministry that you guys have pulled off. And uh, what an amazing thing for me. And I did not plan any of this. I, I'm in business and, and it's how I get paid. And, and 
my business will be in January 34 years old and I did not plan to be in business. Of all the majors I took in college, business was not one of them. I didn't know anybody in business. I had done no business. I just, I just, God just put it in my life. And, and, and as I was thinking about all of this and I was thinking about where I came from and what has happened, I will tell you that the greatest things that I've been part of I didn't plan. It, didn't, it was not in the plans. And I've learned something from that. And that is this, that God has a plan for our lives. And they're not our plans. And the more that we are able to give to him, the more he is able to do beyond anything we ever imagined. What happened in my life, those, those, just those four things. Not, I mean, there's so many other things, but what happened? They were not on my radar. They were not part of what, what I had planned. And, and I know that God has a plan for you. Some of you could stand and share the same thing today. Man, I had no idea. I did not plan this. And yet, here's what God has done. Some of you, maybe many of you, are at a place in life where you just wish you had something like that. You, 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 just, you know, you're just, it's, you, you, you hear me talk and, and it's maybe even a little painful sometimes because you don't see that, you don't feel it, you don't, you don't have it. And, and so I want to talk about this. We, you know, we have a vision that we want to share with people uh, here and it's, it's found in, in, it starts in Exodus, you find it in Isaiah, you find it in Ephesians. It's a theme all through the Bible. And we have reduced it to four things that we do as a church and what we want. Um, if you go to our restrooms, you'll find them in the bathroom stalls. You'll find it on the walls. you find it, your program has it all over the front. You have it on the wall in here. So I want you to say it. Uh, there are four things that we do here. We want you to know God. We want you to find freedom. We want you to discover purpose. And we want you to make a difference. That was good, all six of you. That was a wonderful, wonderful thing. Let's try it again. I want everybody in on this, okay? We want you to know God. We want you to find freedom. We want you to discover purpose. And we want you to make a difference. Don't you hate it when a pastor says, say this after me. It's just, I hate it. I think it's ridiculous. It's, uh, I'll promise never to do it again uh, this week. And, um, but... What I want to do, I want to camp on a couple of these things. First of all, I want you to know God. I'm not talking about theology. I'm not talking about religion. I want you to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want you to, to experience a friendship with Jesus that is like nothing else in the world. I want it to be what drives your life. It doesn't mean you're perfect. It doesn't mean you have it all together. It means that you've got the basis for life. And, and I want that. And, 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 and so as, as we move forward, I mean, we've got, if you read the first six books, six, yeah, six books in the Old Testament, Genesis through the book of Joshua, 
you see something here that kind of gives us a picture of what God did with the children of Israel that He wants to do in our lives. He wants to perform in our lives the way He had planned to perform in the ways of the Israelites. If you read the book of Genesis, you read about creation, you read about uh, the formation of the children of Israel, a people who God declared to be His people, you read about how God used Joseph to deliver this nation from, from disaster And Genesis ends in a very sad way because you have all of the Jewish nation now enslaved by Egypt. So in the Old Testament, Egypt is a symbol of bondage and death. And when you read into the next chapter, or in the next book, in Exodus, one of the first things that Moses says is, I want you to know me. I want these people to know me. Because they had lived without God for at least four centuries. They didn't know anything about God. They didn't know who He was, whether He liked them or loved them or hated them. And and He wanted Moses to lead them to know God. And so Egypt's a sign, a, a picture of bondage and death. Exodus is a sign of breaking past that, getting to know God. And then if you read Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, it's all kind of backfill on all of those first two chapters, or those two first books, and then you get to Joshua. And Joshua takes us to a new place. Now here's what I want you to understand. Egypt, symbol of death. You need God. Exodus is a wilderness. It's the picture of millions of Jewish people who could have had freedom but chose to live without it. I'm going to focus on that for this whole series. Joshua, the book of Joshua, is about crossing out of the wilderness into the promised land where you live life as it ought to be. And my question to you today is, where are you living? Where do you live your life? Are you... In bondage, are you in Egypt where you don't have a relationship with God? And by the way, all of us have found ourselves there at some point or another. And we made the decision that we wanted to have life and we invited Christ into our lives. And, and, and so we move from there. And then we go into this journey. We're supposed to go to the promised land. But we've got this crud in our lives. Baggage. Things that, that maybe it's things we did to ourselves or things that others people did to us or things that situations brought about in our lives and and we've got these life patterns and habits and practices and addictions and 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 we just carry these things and and they just get in the way of us going to the promised land of where God wants us to be my guess is this that almost everybody in the room deals with some of that in one form or another some of you are dealing with, with just fear because of things that have happened in your life and you're just filled with fear and it just keeps you enslaved. And by the way, that is Satan's ploy. He wants to steal and kill and destroy your lives and as long as he can keep you from finding freedom, he has won because while you might go to heaven, you're not going to live a significant life. And he knows if he can destroy your ability to be free, He has trapped you. 
Some of you are, are dealing with anger or resentment or hurt from the past and things that have been done to you and you just can't let it go. And, it, and, and as much as you want to, it just keeps showing up and you keep failing test after test. Some of you struggle with, with addiction. Some of you, maybe you drink too much and, and you can't get through a day really without a drink. You, you think, oh, it's just a drink, but you can't get through the day without it and you know something's wrong. For some of you, it's drugs. It could be prescription or non-prescription and, and you just can't make it without those things. And, and, and it just, it just it, you know, and I'm not talking about, uh, about stuff that we need in terms of medicine. I'm talking about drugs that, that just, we do it just so we can cope and so we can get through the day. Some of us, you know, you, you struggle with lust or pornography and, and, and you, you just hate it and, and, and it just, it's just a, you know, but, but there it is and you can't seem to get out of that. Some of you, it, it could be social media and, and it has just taken over your life and you just, your life is, is all in the palm of your hand and, and, and it just takes, it, you know, it just, we can't be free. We want to be free. We can't be free. So I want to give you a, a passage of Scripture that's going to be our theme throughout this whole series. It's out of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. It says, If you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. And then he begins to say some things that really are powerful. He says, The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. Let me tell you something. If you've lived any significant time in the wilderness, in this place where you can't find freedom, you begin to feel like you're the only one that's ever been there. And, and you don't talk to people about it because you're ashamed or, or you just, you, it's just too much for you to talk about. And, and you feel like I'm the only one there. And that is exactly what Satan wants you to think. And Paul says, hey, wait a minute. A lot of people deal with what you're dealing with. But he says, God is faithful. And then he says something that's very frustrating. He says he will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. And some of you say, that's not what I'm experiencing. And I'm so glad you're here because today and the weeks following, we're going to talk about that at great length. He says, when you are tempted, He, God, will show you a way out so that you can endure. So... Today I'm going to kind of build a foundation. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about shame. What do you do with shame? What does God want us to do with shame? There are some, some things in our lives, in our past, we are just ashamed of, aren't we? And, and we don't want anybody to know. And, and we don't know, you know, when, when things get tough, we always go back and go, well, that's who I am. It's my identity. And, and what does God want us to do with shame? The week after that, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, the power of God's Spirit to change us, the power that we need that we've never had in force in trying to defeat what Satan's trying to do in our lives. And the week after that, we're going to talk about battles. When you read the book of Joshua, there are a lot of battles there. And, and we're going to see what it's like to go through battles and actually win. And then finally, the last week, we're going to talk about being free forever. But this is what I know. God wants you to move out of your desert and into the promised land. To move from a life of mediocrity to a life of significance. So... Today, let me give you some foundation. Get your notes, get your pens. I'm going to run through this pretty quick. And a lot of this, I want you to write. I want you to take it this week. I want you to keep it with your Bible and, and your devotional time and look at it. 
and say, okay, God, what do you want to say? This isn't going to be a one-week wonder, okay? This is going to, we're going to go on a journey through the book of Joshua, and it's going to be um, challenging and liberating. I think it's going to be an incredible series, and so I want you to have everything I can give you. Number one, write this down, everyone can be free. Everyone can be free. Joshua 1, verse 1, After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses is dead, therefore the time has come. Now think about this, you're in the wilderness, you haven't found freedom, you, you, are, you escaped Egypt, you've escaped death, but you haven't found freedom. And, and look at the message that God wants to say to you right here. It, the time has come for you to lead these people... And let me just stop right there. The, the Amplified Version and many other versions actually say all these people, lead all these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land. I am giving you freedom is for everyone. The only reason you don't believe that is because Satan has been lying to you and you bought into the lie and now everything within you fights against you to be free. But Paul said, when you're, when you're tempted, He will show you a way out. Number two, you need to take the steps toward freedom. You have to take steps toward freedom. Verse 3 of Joshua 1, I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you. It's a very interesting verse because... If you go, I don't know, it's like chapter 16 or 17 in the book of Joshua, somewhere in there, it talks about all of Joshua's exploits and the fact that they had taken care, they had defeated like 31 or 32 kings. And it was, it was amazing what happened. But that was not God's plan. He wanted them to take the entire land. In fact, if, if you really look at Scripture correctly in this, they're really, God's plan was not for them to have battles like war and killing and all of that stuff. There's, a, there's a, a passage of Scripture where God says, I will put pestilence into the land to drive out the inhabitants before you. So in other words, if, if the Israelites had really done what God was saying, God would have delivered them through this, this thing. It, in other words, it wasn't His plan for Him to... To, for everybody to be driven out at one time because the Israelites couldn't handle all of that. So it was going to be piece by piece by piece. And the plan was for, for Joshua to set his foot everywhere in the land and there'd be complete deliverance. Now, as we read, we find out that didn't happen and, and God's perfect will here wasn't completed. But, um, in fact, the whole rest of the Old Testament is about just that. But that's not His will for you and me. His will for you and me is that we take the land. We put our foot down where God has intended for us to live in this promised land. Number three, before I, before I move on, let me just say this. You can have all of the land that you're going to take. You, you, you can have it all. But it is going to require your participation. Don't think that God is just going to dump this in your lap and one day you're going to be free. It requires you to take the steps. you got to be in the game. Number three, you will be tempted. You can win. 
You will be tempted. You can win. I'll be getting into more of this in week four of the series, but I want you to understand that you will be tempted, and I want you to understand you can win. Now, write this down, and this is something I want you to, to take home with you. I want you to think about this, because this is an incredible thought about temptation. Temptation is anything that promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience to God. That for this series and and for our purposes, that's going to be our definition of temptation. It's anything that promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience to God. In other words, we have these temptations, we have this lifestyle, this way that we practice life, and there are things that we don't want to do. We really don't like them. We don't like it about us. In fact, sometimes it creates our identity. I'm going to talk some, uh, quite a bit, actually, next week about that. It, but it, it creates an identity that we, we name ourselves. We say, you know, I, I'm this person. I'm a mess. And, and so we, we categorize ourselves like this. And we know what God wants, but we've got this temptation or this habit or this addiction or this pattern. And in spite of the fact that we don't want it, we do it. We do it. And it, in a way, it kind of, it, it's satisfying to do. There's a moment of satisfaction. But then we get to the point where we realize, oh, that is not what God wanted. That's not what He wanted. You, you think about this and you know, we got this thing in our brain called dopamine, and I don't know how it works, but I do know that we, we, um, we contribute heavily toward this chemical kicking into our, our brains and the lives and the way that, that we are. We have this, you know, whatever it is, whatever, you know, if it's an addiction, it's something that we do, and, and, and we want it. We, we just have to have it, right? And, and so, so, so the pattern is like this. Our, our body screams out. Our brain screams out. I want this. I want this. And then the next thought is, I shouldn't have done it. And the next thought is, I feel bad. And the next thought is, I'll never do it again. And then it starts all over. I want it. I shouldn't have done it. I feel bad. I'll never do it again. And we live like that for days and weeks and months and then years and sometimes for decades. And we never are able to move past that. We're never able to move into what God has for us. It is not a sin to be tempted. Some of you are, you struggle with the food that you eat and and you, you want to eat healthy and And then you come to church. And what do they do? They pass donuts down the aisle. And some of you, I want to eat healthy. I want to do this. And you see the donut. And you're shaking. And you pass it by. And I think we ought to give it up for every person who passed by the donuts today. I mean, yeah. Both of you. Yes. You see, you're going to be tempted, but you just won. Now, if you're sitting on the inside of the aisles and you got the donuts first and you saw the chocolate-covered donut and you're tempted and you know you shouldn't have it and when nobody's looking, you licked the chocolate and you put the donut back in. 
You probably went too far. You crossed the line. You're a guy and you're driving down the road and there's Miss Go-Go Pants jogging and, and you, you look, whoa, you know, and you, keep, and you keep on going. That's good. Temptation is not a sin. But when you turn a car around and come back and say, hey, can I help you? You look like you're in distress. That's probably too far. We can be tempted. Joshua 1 verse 5 says, No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Think about what has locked you down. Think about what has messed up your life. And I want you to take this verse and I want you to pour it into that mess. God will be with you. He has not abandoned you. Listen to what it says in James 1, verse 13. Remember when you're being tempted, don't say God's tempting me. God never tempted anybody to do wrong. He never tempts anyone. Temptation, check this out. This is good to know. This is important information. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us. And listen to what it says. It drag us away. Away from what? Away from the life that God has for us. Away for the... The, the release of an incredible, significant life. These things take us and they drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. And some of you are here today saying, huh, boy, isn't that the truth? My, uh, that's my life right there. And I'm glad you recognize that, but I want to be the first to say that God has made a way out for you no matter who you are or where you are in life. Every one of us has the ability to experience freedom. Number four, you must change direction. This is where we start to get involved. You change direction. You fight the current. Joshua 1, verse 6, Be strong and courageous. I'm just going to skip some words here. You drop on down. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful. Then you drop on down. Don't deviate from, from God's ways. Don't turn to the right or to the left. Then you'll be successful in all you do. Meditate on God's Word night, day and night, and you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and, and succeed in all you do. This is my command. What's the command? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. To make a great change in your life, and it is great because you've been living like this for a while, to make a huge change in your life will require great courage and the willingness to fight the current, to do things that other people don't do, to, to make decisions that other people aren't willing to make. You stand against the current. You move against your natural inclinations. So Jesus says this, and I, this is, we'll get to the end here. He says, I tell you most solemnly that anyone who chooses a life of sin. Now, what that's really saying is that we choose to do nothing, to stay where we are, to stay in the wilderness. We choose a life of sin is trapped in a dead end life. And is in fact a slave. 
Jesus says if we choose to live that way, if we choose to do nothing, if we choose to live aimlessly when it comes to the things that bind us, that we are in fact a slave. A slave is a transient who can't come and go at will. The son, though, check this out. The son, I would add the daughter, has an established position, the run of the house. So if the son sets you free, you are free through and through. Let me just ask you, what would that feel like? What would it feel like to be free? What would it feel like to be free from one end to the other so that God could do something great in your life? I've got, I've got some help coming out here. Guys, if you're ready. Uh, I've asked some of our leadership team to help me with this um, because we're going to share with you today one of the huge keys of finding freedom, and that's life groups. And uh, so our, our picture today, and you're going to see some of this all through the series, I want to tell you how important this really is. And obviously, uh, baseball is important to God. That's why in the very first verse of the Bible is in the big inning, and it just goes on from there. And so we do a lot with baseball around here. And so we have three bases, first, second, third, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the home run of all things. Um, but uh, Brody, would you start us off and just tell us what, what this means about knowing God and, and life groups and where we're at? Yeah, so with our life groups, uh, we're going to have first base groups. And these first base groups are... All right, I'm going to switch mics. So the uh, first base groups are based off of people's interests. And so ways that we've seen these groups before are volleyball groups. Uh, it can be based off of sewing. It can be based off of hiking, line dancing. We've had board games. But really what we found is that people gather around their passions. And so what we want to do is we want to take those gatherings and we want to put purpose behind them. Um, you know, it is so important and absolutely vital for people to have life-giving relationships in their life. It's the only way that we can find freedom. And so the primary goal of first base groups is simply just to get people into relationships with each other and relationships with Jesus. It's simply just that they would know God. Um, you know, a crazy statistic is that 60% of people, if asked to go to church, they won't go. And so what will you do if you have someone at, at, at work or a family member or a friend or a neighbor who uh, you ask them to go to church and they say, no, I don't want to go? What do you do with that? That's what's so great about a first base group is that you can simply say, hey, do you want to go play volleyball? We have this group that, that meets together and plays volleyball. And the great thing about a first base group is I promise there won't be any sales pitch at the end that you have to do. There's no bait and switch. It's not, hey, I tricked you into playing volleyball. Now we're going to sit down and talk about Jesus and talk about all your issues. That's, that's not what it is. It's simply to have relationships to bring people together. Um, you know, the, the amazing thing about these groups is that some of you may be in a point where you're having a really hard time trusting people. Or you may be in a point where you say, you know what, I know that I'm supposed to be in relationships in order to find freedom, but that's a really hard step for me. The great thing is that when you sign up for a first base group, you have an activity that you are all doing. And when those activities take place in your life, what you see is that you grow closer to people you're doing those activities with, that you're sharing those passions with, and the walls come down and it leads to life-giving relationships in your life. And so a first base group is great if you're not the kind that wants to sit down and really discuss a, 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 maybe a book study or even sit down and talk about scripture right now and really open up 
um, this is a great this is a great opportunity for you to be able to be around people, and it's really an entryway to finding relationships with people and with God. Um, you know, we know that we need to, to find healing through relationships. And so in these first space groups, uh, you're going to have a ton of fun. But the most important thing is that you're going to find a family that you're going to be able to live with. So. All right. Give it up for first base. <laughs> Moving on. Going to scoring position. All right. So second base groups are very similar to all groups because the, na- the main goal is for people to come together, to connect, to find relationships, and to find community um, and a family. And so second-based groups offer that too. And, um, but with that, Brody talked about knowing God, and Pastor Greg talked about knowing God th- already this morning. But a lot of times you can come to know the Lord, uh, but then you're still living in the muck of your life. And in fact, our, I feel like our whole lives were just constantly going to be finding freedom from things because we're fallen people. And so these groups, just like free market groups um, that come together for hiking or sewing or whatever, we're coming together with a common purpose um, to help you in these areas that you want to grow in so you can find freedom. And so let me give you some examples of some groups. Um, If you like want to get in God's Word, if you have never opened up the Word before on your own in your home, or if you want to, or if you've been studying Scripture forever, if you want to just grow deeper, we have Bible study groups, if you have, um, if you want to, in prayer, grow in your prayer life, if you want to grow in your marriage, grow in raising your your kids, if you want to find freedom from debt, we are offering Financial Peace University this fall, Um, or if you have, like, stuff that's, like, a lot deeper, um, if you want to find a community that's going to help you in that and help you take your next steps. So these groups, you can find freedom in any of these groups in first base second base third base um, but these groups are just more specific to that need and something that's really cool about second base groups that I love is that everybody's in the same boat um, and you're not doing this alone and finding freedom is the hardest thing for people to do it's the hard like I like what you said Pastor Greg about you have to take that step like, you know, God can come, but you have to take that step. And so um, if you haven't been in a group where you can find community and someone that is going to walk alongside you to find that freedom, um, this group is for you. So. Yeah. All right. Second base. Woo. Yeah. Okay. Let's go to the triple. Yeah. Third base. Here we go. Brody, we've got to up our game, man. Grace is going to take over this place if we're not careful, right? Man, she's amazing. You know what I love about all of our small groups is free market. What we've discovered is that just like personalities, there's really no wrong group. As long as people are coming together and forming relationships, there's no wrong place to start here. So if you're in a first base group, amazing. Second base, incredible. You want to grow. Third base, as I look around this room... I see so many different people, different backgrounds, different experiences, different phases of life. And the one thing that we have discovered that's wrong with church is that sometimes it can be confined to just Sunday mornings. We're not really, we're coming together and I like to call it a holy huddle. We love our our brothers and sisters in Christ and our church family so much that we sometimes lose focus on the outside world. And so as you come to know God and begin working on your issues, third-based groups are a place that you can take your passions, your experiences, the things that God has placed inside of your heart, and turn them into ministry through Growth Track that we offer almost every single week. Our goal is to help you discover your shape, how God wired and designed you. And so we've had people who have come to us and say, you know what, I really have just a heart for the the hurting in our community, maybe like lower-income families. And so my wife, she's amazing. This was like her initiative. I just kind of tag along and take some of the credit. It's not really due. 
she said, you know what, I really feel guilty about how we focus so much on like our family and our church and our groups. Why don't we do something that's an outreach opportunity for us to get involved with? And she took a passion and how God wired her. And on Saturdays, this is one example. On Saturdays, we're over on Plaza Street interacting with families and young children. We're giving them snacks. We're playing games. It's a lot of fun. And this is something that God, I believe, has placed inside in each and every single one of our hearts because he didn't call us to, to come. He told us to go. His very last words in Matthew 28 were to go. And so many times we say, hey, come, come to church, come to Sunday morning, come to my group. And that's amazing. We don't want people to stop doing that. But we need to kind of shift our hearts, shift our focus to begin thinking, how can we impact our community? You know, I am so proud of Helmut Herter. If you don't know this guy, you got to meet him. He's semi-retired, but he says, man, retirement, that's for old people. I'm not going to do that. (laughs) And so he's starting a group this fall. It's going to be an incubator group. And this is for people to come together and just to dream dreams, to brainstorm, to kick around ideas. What could we do as people and as groups to change our community, to change the face of our schools, of our families, to dream dreams about how God could take Destiny Church that meets here on Sunday mornings and send us out into the community to actually make a difference. I'm going to leave you with really the the last uh, phrase of our, our vision statement here is we believe that God has created every single one of us to make a difference. And I, I want to say that to the young people in here, to the, to the older folks in the room, everyone in between, every single one of you were placed on this earth to make a difference in God's kingdom. And so there's nothing wrong with, with you know, hitting a volleyball, throwing a Frisbee, doing a Bible study. But the goal of all of this is a progression to move you closer and taking steps to where you are using what God's placed in your heart to reach out and to impact those around you. So third base groups can take any shape, any form. It's really as creative as you can be. And so Saturday serve, an incubator group, things like that are what we're talking about. And so we want you guys to jump on board with us, get in a group this fall, and it's going to change all of our lives in the process. I, I love the, what we do with Saturday Serve, and I say we. I've never been there. Uh, what I love about that is I don't have to be there because people are pulling us off. It's so amazing to me. Those kids are sitting and waiting for us to show up on Saturdays. It's, I mean, who gets to do that? Yeah. That's just, it's incredible. And uh, hey, thank you guys. Super job. Yeah. And then, and then there's home base. It's, it's, it's when you really feel like, oh, this is what I was designed for. And you start to live your life. I, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm, I should be wrapping up some things in my life, and I'm still sitting around wondering, what am I going to do when I grow up? I, I, I still have that in my heart because I, I believe that God's going to take my experiences and my heart And I get to use that to the greatest effectiveness of this kingdom. And that's what my heart is for you. I don't want you to live your life and get to the end and wonder what you did. I want you to live your life so that at the end of your life, it could be said of you the way it was said of David, that he served God's purposes in his generation, and then he died. What a great thing to have written on your tombstone, and they they don't do tombstones anymore hardly, but on the urn or somewhere. It's written that you serve God in your generation. So I've got some action steps I want you to take, and and I don't you don't need to do this now, but I I want you to take these steps this week. And I'm gonna do this myself. 
Write down the things that seem to trap you and keep you from being the person God has created you to be. Write them down. This is between you and God. You can, you can keep this under wraps for a while. What are some practical steps you can take toward freedom? This will be an evolving answer for you as we go through the series. And then finally, I want you to make a decision. You could do this today and over the next two weeks. Make a decision to join or lead a life group. You don't have to be a great theologian to lead a life group around here. You just heard how we can do a lot of different things and be extremely blessed by our, uh, our leadership and our involvement in a life group. And it will help to change your life, to help you find freedom. I want to close with this passage out of Psalm 119. It says this, I have wandered away like a lost sheep. God, come and find me. For I have not forgotten your commands. I would say to the person who today is struggling, who has been trapped, and you've kind of resigned yourself to, this is who I am, that you would cry out this prayer to God, I have wandered away like a lost sheep. Come and find me. Come and find me, God. 